Greetings from Quail Lakes Baptist Church in Stockton, California. Thank you for your interest in our downloadable messages. Our more recent teachings, such as Pastor Mark's current sermon series, are always available on iTunes. However, for a more comprehensive offering of Quail's Bible-based teachings from Pastor Mark and others, we offer an extensive archive of downloadable sermon MP3s on our website, as well as information on our fellowship and our ministries. Please visit us online at www.qlbc.org. These messages are also available on CD or cassette. For more information, please call our church office at 209-951-7380. We trust you will be blessed and edified by what you are about to hear. Thank you for listening. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Daniel chapter 12. The Old Testament prophet Daniel chapter 12. Today we conclude the series which has taken us through the book of Daniel chapter by chapter as we arrive at chapter 12. And in our discussion of chapter 12, today we will look at the end times. And so here's the key concept for today. Be true to the end. Be true to the end. Daniel's prophecy in chapter 12 discusses the end of history. Now, it is a popular subject. We see all kinds of movies and TV shows and books and discussions on the end times, and, and sometimes the end times seem closer than others. Earlier this year, there were folks in Hawaii who thought the end had indeed come. I don't know if you remember the scene in January 14th in Hawaii where a message was sent out. It appeared on cell phones and TV screens and computer screens all around the island. The message was this, ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. Seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. That was picked up by news agencies. It went around the world. Tens of thousands of people on Hawaii were panicked, as were were the whole world concerned. But the problem was... It was a drill, but somebody on a pull-down menu on the computer had clicked the wrong button and thrown the world into a panic. Whoops, right? Whoops. But there's going to come a day when the end of days will not be a discussion point. It's not going to be a drill. It's not going to be for entertainment. It will be a reality. And today we get a glimpse of that through the conclusion of the book of Daniel. All through Daniel, we have seen him describe for us the supernatural reality beyond what we see that causes much of what we experience in our physical world. We've seen the spiritual struggle that is unseen and and how we are really a part of it. Chapter 10, that, that curtain was drawn, and we saw the, the angels and the, prince and, and, and the principalities and the princes of the air do, doing warfare in the heavenly realms, and, and, and the angel demonstrated to Daniel, this has ramifications for you in the way that you live. And then chapter 11, we saw predictive prophecy begin to be given from the spokesman angel that we take to be Gabriel to Daniel, telling him what's going to happen in in the immediate few centuries that were before Daniel. 
from Daniel's time forward, what's going to happen, the rise and the fall of the kingdoms of men. And we saw that the players of, of those particular prophecies in chapter 11, starting in the kingdom of Cyrus where Daniel was living, but then there would come a, a, a later king in Persia named Xerxes, and then Alexander the Great. And then we saw that Alexander's kingdom will crumble into four four pieces, but the two that matter to, for the Scriptures are the kingdom of Egypt and the kingdom of Syria and their warfare together. We saw the beginning hint of the rise of the Roman Empire, but all throughout that major portion of chapter 11, the, the, the emphasis of that predictive prophecy rested on a man who in verse 21 of chapter 11 is called the contemptible person. This contemptible person who will lead a struggle and a persecution against Israel and Jerusalem, seeking to stamp out the religion of the Jews. And we read in our history books who that contemptible person was. We know that he was Antiochus Epiphanes. And we read about the, the revolt that resulted in his downfall, downfall. We call that war the Maccabean Revolt that was ended in 165 B.C. And point by point of the prophecy given to Daniel by the angel regarding the 375 years that were coming before him, point by point, we look back as accurate history. It was true to every detail. But then something happens towards the end of chapter 11. The angel, when he's talking about this contemptible person, Antiochus Epiphanes, begins to talk about another like Antiochus who will also come and persecute the people of God, another willful king who will bring about another defilement of the temple and more suffering for God's people. And the final segment of chapter 11 was not about our past, it is about our future. The angel Gabriel seems to shift his gaze centuries forward and he talks about the great persecutor of the people of God. And that becomes the focus of chapter 12. It's in that time period that we pick up our reading today. Chapter 12, verse 1, read with me, it says this. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, close up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. The angel begins this portion of his revelation to Daniel locating where he's talking about in time at that time means I'm talking about the events that are in the time period which we left off at the end of chapter 11. At that time, in the time to come, there will be one like the contemptible person. There will be one like Antiochus who comes on the world's scene and he will persecute the people of God. 
And we'll, we see once again that there's a spiritual component to this persecution. There's a struggle in the heavenlies. And Michael, the archangel, who we've seen fighting for God's people in the past, in chapter 10 that was emphasized, he engages the battle once again, the battle that will take place in the heavenlies. But it will have an earthly consequence. And while the unseen battle is raging on earth, what's happening is the period of time that we call the tribulation. And like Antiochus of old, there will be a future persecutor again. And the Apostle John in the book of Revelation names him the beast, the the Antichrist. And Jesus, while on earth, alluded to this very passage when he said this in Matthew 24. For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days are shortened. Here Daniel is showing us the spiritual nature of that battle. And once again we see the archangel Michael pictured as leading the charge to protect the people of God. But note with me how the people of God are defined at the end of verse 1. Everyone whose name is found written in the book will be delivered. He's no longer talking about ethnic Jews. But in view here are all the followers of the one true Messiah, whether Jew or Gentile. Those who know Christ as personal Savior, those have their name written in the book. What book is he talking about? He's talking about the book that in the book of Revelation, the Apostle John names as the book of life. Revelation 3.5 and Revelation 20.12 says that there is a book of life. In other words, there in that book of life is inscribed the names of those who are Christ followers. Those who know Christ as the one true Messiah and their Savior as Lord. And the fact that your name is inscribed in the book is meant to reassure you, believer. It's meant to give you a sense of confidence and hope. You know, my name is in the book. My file has not been lost. My data has not been misplaced. My name is inscribed in that book never to be able to be erased because it is the book of life. And all those inscribed in the book Followers of Jesus Christ. That, that fact remind, reminds me of a story. A story about a man named Cadwalder Jenkins. Cadwalder Jenkins was a believer in Jesus Christ. He'd given his heart to the Lord, but Cadwalder Jenkins had an insecurity about his faith. Maybe you can relate to this. He, he, he just sometimes wondered if it really took in his case. He wondered, have I, if it, did I do it right? Am I really in? You know, am I really forgiven? And he struggled with this, this anxiety about his salvation until one day Cadwalder Jenkins had a dream. And in the dream, he was transported to the throne room of heaven. And in the throne room of heaven, he saw that the book of life was opened and Cadwalder Jenkins went over and he peeked around the corner to try to find his name. And he went down the list in the book and sure enough, Cadwalder Jenkins was written in the book. And he thought to himself, nobody else has a name like Cadwalder Jenkins. I'm in. And he woke up refreshed and invigorated and excited, you know, about the day. And later that same day, the phone rang. And the phone rang. On the other end of the line was a man's voice. And the man said, I'm calling to introduce myself. I'm your long-lost cousin. Really? I didn't even know I had a long-lost cousin. Yeah, you do. And, and the, the double part of the good news is this. My name is Cadwalder Jenkins also. 
and all of a sudden he's thrust into doubt once again. Maybe it was his name. Listen, you don't need to doubt. If you know Christ as personal Savior, you don't need to be anxious because he is true to his word, faithful and true. Your name is in the book of life. There will be a righteous remnant as the angel fights for. There will not be an extermination of the people of God on the earth, no matter how hard Satan will try one day and his agent, the Antichrist. Daniel is assured of that. And that brings him to the next piece that the angel reveals in verse 2. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. There is coming a resurrection. A resurrection. Now, don't let the word multitudes concern you, or if you're reading another translation, you might have the word many. The New American Standard has the word many there. It's kind of unfortunate because we as English readers, when we read the word many, we think not all. But that's not the impression you're meant to get. When you, th- when you read the word many or you read the word multitudes, you're meant to be impressed by the number of the resurrected. All those who have or who, who have uh, passed on in death will be resurrected, and it will be a huge number. That's the, the point that the angel is making. This vast number of people who have died will, will be resurrected once again. Those who have died physically will be raised to everlasting life. Now, here's a little tidbit. This is really the only place in the Old Testament where resurrection to everlasting life is explicitly taught. Everlasting life or everlasting death away from the Lord and punishment. This is the only place in the Old Testament where it's explicitly taught. Some people say, well, the Jewish faith has no uh, concept of the afterlife. That's not true, not if they read their Bible. It's right here in Daniel, but it is emphasized later in the New Testament. And those who are resurrected, notice with me, which is all, have the possibilities of two destinations. Because the resurrection is not only for the righteous, the resurrection is for the unrighteous as well, the righteous to glory and the unrighteous who will face eternal suffering, and both states are eternal. Here's what you need to know. Everyone you have ever met, including the person that you see in the mirror every morning, everyone will live forever. The question is not, will you exist forever? The question is, where will you live forever? That's the question. C.S. Lewis got it right when he said, you have never met a mere mortal. Everybody will exist someplace. The resurrection is coming. But beyond that resurrection, for those who are the followers of Jesus Christ, there is reward. Look at verse 3. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. The faithful, seen as the wise, will be glorified in the sense of shining. Those who live a God-centered life will be raised to glory. And the the characteristic of a God-centered life, a life following Jesus, is influencing others towards righteousness. Now, Daniel, in this, peer, this, uh, this section here, as he's resp- uh, hearing this from the angel, he's not getting point-by-point uh, point chronology of the end times. But what he's receiving, and we, through him, is broad brushstrokes. These are the kinds of things that will happen uh, in the time to come. And it's meant to come to the followers of the Lord as reassurance 
Not only are we going to survive through the difficult time that's coming, but we will ultimately thrive in our relationship with our Savior. You see, the, the biblical discussions about the end times are not given to us so that we can have our curiosity satisfied. They're not given to us so that we can make all kinds of uh, charts and diagrams and argue with one another about the details. That's not why the end times information, whether here or in the book of Revelation, wherever, is given to us. It's given to us so that we can take the truths that we see about what's coming and bring them back to here and now. What does this have to do with the way I'm going to live my life here and now? Bible scholars call that question the eschatological ethic. Eschatology means the study of the end times. What's the eschatological ethic? What, what do I need to learn now because of what I see in the future? And there's a few points that we're meant to bring back to our time right now on earth. Point number one is this. The Christian life will not and is not easy, but it is worth it. That's the eschatological ethic. If you think that being a Christian is all about getting everything you want because you have some sort of heavenly genie who will always supply for you and never let you get sick and honor all of your preferences and let you do anything you feel like doing, that's not Christianity you believe in. That's something else. But it's not Christianity. Maybe it's just wishful thinking. But Christ is not about wishful thinking. What Christ offers is eternal hope. It's not going to be easy but it's going to be worth it. And it's not worth it just in the by and by. It's worth it here and now. Why? Because if you by faith are connected to Jesus Christ as your Savior, that means you're connected to the God who is governing history the way we have read about throughout this book of Daniel. The God who is guiding all things to a predetermined end. And you are connected to what He's doing right here, right now. And that is worth it. When you say yes to Jesus, you enlist in that service, and I now am part of what God is doing, and there's no better place to be. It is not easy, but it is worth it. Point number two, in the struggle that's happening, remember that the angel armies are on your side. Michael, the archangel, his name means who is like God. And that question is meant to be answered this way, no one. Who is like God? When we fight this in the spiritual realms, who is like God? No one. This is not a fair fight. In the end of days, this is not a real struggle. When Jesus comes back and the battle is raging, that is not an equal fight. No one is like God. The victory belongs to Him already. His is the battle already. And so we can trust Him. And the angel armies are on our side. This war will be won. And number three, as I trust him for the big picture, as he tells me what's happening in the future, I can trust him for my life. I can trust him for my decisions. I can trust that when he says I should obey and live a certain way, he wants my best, and so I trust him for it. All these things I bring from the study of what's coming and the God who reigns in the future back to my present and after we see this being unfolded to us, Daniel is given some instructions in verse 4. It says this, But you, Daniel, close up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. 
It seems, you see, that the angel is actually reading information that God has given him. See, angels can't predict the future. Angels don't know what's coming. But God can, and he has revealed this. And now he says to Daniel, this is, this is a scroll I want you to seal up now, not to keep it hidden, not to keep it quiet, but to preserve it because this is surely going to happen. This will not be altered. This is what's coming. And when that's, when that's stated to Daniel, we enter into the second section of this last chapter. And in this second section, we see two great questions asked of the presence of God in the midst of this vision that actually started back in chapter 10. From verse 5 onward, we see, we, we get a view of the, of the scene once again, and we see that that being who is now described as clothed in linen, earlier, chapter 10, he was described as shining like burnished bronze. That being is actually hovering above the waters. We identified him as the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. And there's two witnesses there on either side of the river. And you say, well, why do why witnesses need to be there? Because there's going to be the most solemn moment of the book where a promise is made. So chapter 5, this is what it says. Then I, uh, excuse me, verse 5. Then I, Daniel, looked, and there before me stood two others, one on, the bank of, on this bank of the river, the other on the opposite bank. One of them said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, how long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? And here's the solemn moment where the promise is made. The man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river lifted his right hand and his left hand toward heaven. And I heard him swear by him who lives forever, saying, it will be for a time, times, and half a time. Time, times, and half a time. The first question is, how long? But it's not how long until these things take place. It's how long will all this go on? That's the question. It's a question asked out of compassion and out of love for the people of God. How long will they have to put up with this? How long will they have to suffer with this future contemptible person? And a promise is made. The hands are raised, make, making this promise before uh, God the Father, and he says, time, times, and half a time. What does that mean? Well, many, many see this as saying that the most intense part of the upcoming tribulation period will be a time of three and a half years long. Others see him saying, well, it will seem like a long time to you, but I promise it's well controlled, it's in hand, everything is going to be managed. Now, no matter what that answer is exactly, you know, in interpreted there, that answer from this, this being prompts another question, but this time it's a question from Daniel. See, Daniel is kind of reeling from this vision. He doesn't quite know, know what to do or what to say. He's been quiet this whole time just hearing all this stuff, but then finally he finds his voice in, uh, in the second question, and he asks in verse 9, well, what's going to be the outcome of this? Verse 9, he replied, oh, excuse me, uh, 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 verse 8, I heard, but I did not understand. So I ask, this is Daniel speaking, my Lord, what will be the outcome of all of this? And here's the answer. See if you like this answer. He replied, go your way, Daniel, because the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. Do you like that answer? How's this going to end up? Sorry, Daniel, the book is closed. It's all done now. I've, I've said everything I'm going to say. 
Actually, he said how it's all going to work out, but I, I've, I've said it. I've said it again. All this, I'm not going to review it with you. This book is over. But let me give you this piece of reinsurance. Even though there's difficulty ahead, for those who are faithful, this will be a refining fire, not a killing fire. Verse 10, many will be purified, made spotless and, re- uh, and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. There's no more details that are going to be given. We've come to the end of the book, but be assured that those who are faithful will be cleansed and purified through all of this. And then it's almost as if that that being hovering above the waters goes back to the first question in verses 11 and 12. He goes back to the timing. He He says this, from the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,390 and 35 days. Now, that's a little bit confusing. He's talking about two different time periods, two periods of time separated by 45 days difference between them. Blessed are you if you endure through the longer one of the two. Well, what's going on here? I want you to know, I read a lot of, a lot of stuff, a lot of authors, a lot of commentaries, a lot of preachers, a lot of professors trying to find out what's going on here. Let me sum up. One of them says this. This is one of the most enigmatic statements of Scripture. It's an enigma. What does that mean? That's Bible professor speak for, we don't know what in the world is going on here. And we don't. There's all kinds of theories about what it means, but some of them are this. In that 45-day period between the two times, the, the, the dead from the Battle of Armageddon will be buried. Some say that in that period of time, the rewards will be given out. Some say that in that period of time, the millennial kingdom will be inaugurated. No one really knows. There's not a real consensus here, but we know the outcome. And the outcome is, blessed, verse 12, is the one who waits and reaches the end. Blessed is the one who waits. You've got to trust the process. You've got to trust the prophecy. You've got to trust the God who is governing all of history. He will work it out at the end. Wait for him. And finally, the angel says to Daniel, As for you, go your way to the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. In other words, he's saying this, Daniel, you're not going to live to see this. This is all going to be way beyond you. So I want you to live your life in faith. I want you to do your work in faith. I want you to die your death in faith. And I want you to know that when this happens, you will be one of those who rise for your inheritance. You will be one of those who rise to shine in glory like the stars. Because, Daniel, you belong to me. And if you know Christ as your Savior, that's your story as well. Jesus is saying to you, all of those facts, I want you to live your life in faith. I want you to do your work in faith. I want you to know you might not see these events come to be. They're coming, but you may not see it, so I want you to die your death in faith. And one day, there will be this resurrection, and you are assured, if your name is in that book, that you will be raised to new life. And when you are raised... Who will you see there? You will see Daniel there. So bring your autograph book. (laughs) 
and you will see Peter, and you will see James and John. You will see the Apostle Paul and Moses, but most of all, you will see Jesus. And while you're gathering the autographs of those who are the the dead in Christ, the faithful, while you're gathering those autographs, you will hear something. And what you will hear announced over those who are uh, arise to shine in glory are these words you'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And when you hear those words, it will just be the beginning for you. That's just the start of what's called eternity. I'm reminded of C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's a seven-book set, a seven-novel story, and the last of those novels is called The Last Battle. And at the very end of the last book in the seven-book series where someone might have written and they lived happily ever after, this is what Lewis writes. He writes, all their adventures had been between the cover and the title page. Now they were beginning chapter one of the great story which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever and ever, and which every chapter gets better than the one before. That's a picture of what's coming for you. You will receive your allotted inheritance, and you, believer, will be part of that resurrection story. You'll be part of that scene where every chapter will get better than the one before. That's what's coming. And we bring that to now and we say, yes, Lord, we'll follow. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we know that the life of a believer is not easy, but it's worth it. It's worth it because we will see you. It's worth it because we know you and we know you to be true to your word. And we pray, Lord, that You would enable us to live the life that tells the story that we have a name inscribed in heaven and we are just passing through. Help us, Lord, to represent you well on this earth and to understand that when we speak the name of Jesus, when we live out the call of Jesus on our life, we are making a statement that everything that Daniel says is true It is yes and amen, and it is coming. We love you, Lord, and we look forward to that day. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. The team is back to lead us in a closing song. Would you stand as we sing? If you know it, let's sing this together. Jesus. Jesus, the most beautiful name.
in just a moment we're going to leave. But maybe there's a couple of you here today who thinking about all of this, really what you've been thinking inside is, I'm not ready. This is coming. This will happen. You can get ready. And you get ready by saying yes to a love that will not let you go. Forgiveness forever in the arms of Jesus. That's how you get ready for this. And if you're not ready and you know you're not ready, I'm going to invite you to slip forward and meet with our prayer counselors by the organ as others are leaving in just a moment. What they're going to do is just politely, caringly introduce you to the Savior who will make you ready. And you can be ready today. But first, let's all pray together. Lord, we pray that you are exalted now because we know you will be exalted for all eternity. There is no question as to where this is going. But Lord, we want to be on the right side of this. We want to be ready for this. And we want to be part of what you're doing now. So help us say yes to all of that. In the week ahead, may you be glorified in the way that we live. In the words that we say, in the choices that we make, help people see Jesus in us. So you get the glory. In your name we pray. And God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming today.